Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends! Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Thank you guys for being here today. Hello to everyone who is here live with me on the chat on YouTube. And hello to everybody that is listening on the podcast. So today we have a very important question to answer. I am getting this question a lot. It is how cold is too cold for chickens? So we are going to get into that today. If you would like to submit a question to Bok Talk to be answered live, possibly, on my show and make you chicken famous, (laughs) you can do that by going to my website, welcometochickenlandia.com, and you go to the contact section, and then there's a little drop-down menu, and you would choose ask a chicken question, and then I will get your question. Now, I can't answer every single question, but I do try, and I do read everyone's questions, so I love to hear from you guys Um, but I, I usually, I will go through them and I'll pick one out, one that's relative, uh, to the current times and I will answer that question on Bok Talk. So I got a really good question. Actually this morning, I, I ended up like changing the whole topic this morning because, um, I got a a good question about how cold is too cold for chickens. And so we're going to talk about that today. And it's, it's especially relevant because, it's going to get cold this week in many places, and it's pretty cold right now in many places. <laughs> so while you're on my website, you can join my mailing list because, as most of you know, there's something very exciting happening very soon. It is my new online chicken course. It is Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. And I am, if you're, you might be like, okay, when is this course going to come out? And I promise you it will. I promise you it will. I am furiously working on it every day to get it out for you guys. You know, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I don't know, it was like October. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an online course. And then it was like, from then just a lot of work really fast. So we are Working really hard to get it out for you. Um, I've got my whole team is working on it. So hopefully it will be just a few weeks. Hang in there and it will be coming out soon. But to know the latest news all about it and all the latest news from Chickenlandia, you got to join my mailing list. So do that while you're on my website. 
And um, I'm super excited about it. Super excited about the online course. But you know what isn't exciting? Negative 35. That's <laughs> that is not exciting. That's the surface of the moon. Okay. And some of you out there are dealing with that right now. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. But I do want to say hello to some of the people that have joined me on the chat. We've got Celia Perry is here. Alex S is here. Thimble Microfarm is here. Reagan F. Eric Johnson and 13 Moons Homestead. My moderators are here. Bok Bok Bouquet is here. Thank you for being here. So let's talk about these cold, cold temperatures. You know, I have this pet peeve and I've talked about it before in my uh, videos about how when somebody asks like on Facebook or wherever on a forum or whatever, a chicken forum, they'll ask, you know, it's getting really cold and I'm starting to get worried about my chickens. Should I, should I offer them, should I give them supplemental heat? And what you will see on that on those threads is a whole bunch of people saying no, that there's never any reason to offer supplemental heat. And then a few people saying yes. And it's usually, it's, it's very divisive. And sometimes I can see people getting like really kind of, kind of nasty with each other about it. It's, I don't, I don't know what the, <laughs> I don't know. It's chicken drama, chicken drama. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like, okay, you know, can can we talk just as adults here <laughs> about whether chickens need supplemental heat? We're not trying to solve world hunger. This is just what we're talking about right now. So my, you know, I think in general, uh, chickens do not need supplemental heat. Now, that is a very general statement. And the problem with making like sweeping general statements like that is that there are always exceptions. Nothing is black and white in, in the chicken world or in the human world. There are gray areas to most things. So there are some circumstances where it might be necessary to offer some safe supplemental heat. And I think part of the reason why people get upset about the whole uh, heating your coop thing is that there is the reality of coop fires and that happens every year there's coop fires um, and sometimes they can be really devastating and so I think people are coming from a place of not wanting to see that happen to anybody and so I'm not trying to bash anybody I just think that um, you know there is a way to offer safe supplemental heat in a in a chicken coop if you absolutely have to and there are even circumstances, and I'm so hesitant to say this, but you, where someone might decide, you know what, I have weighed all the risks here and I'm going to use a heat lamp. And, you know, I will normally advise against that because it is a fire hazard. But if someone says that's what I'm going to do, then what I will tell them is we'll just make sure that you are being a thousand percent safe. Like don't put it, first of all, secure it very well and then secure it again and again. 
And don't put it near anything that is going to ignite. Try and keep it about a foot and a half away from anything that might ignite. And and then also know that it is a risk to do that. So what happens is, is that I get a little bit, I don't want to say that I get, you know, frustrated <laughs> or annoyed. I just get like, Ugh. when when we when we just say it has to be one thing or another, because there are many different situations, many different scenarios in the chicken keeping world. And we have to look at our individual scenario and decide what's best for us. And that's always what I, that's always my goal is to give you all the information that I can and then let you decide what the best decision is for you. So let's talk about some situations where you might have to offer supplemental heat or situations where you definitely don't have to do that. So there's lots of factors involved. The number one thing that you should ask yourself is, do you have cold hardy breeds? So in general, cold hardy breeds are going to have smaller combs, they're going to be heavier breeds. Um, Like a a standard size Cochin is going to be a nice, that's a a nice hefty bird, a real fluffy bird with a small comb. And that's going to be a real cold hardy breed. So in general, they're going to be able to tolerate some really cold temperatures. And a lot of the, you know, quintessential chickens that, that we love, Buff Orpingtons, um, Bard Rocks, Wyandots, those are co- nice cold hardy chickens. So it would have to get really cold for you to consider supplementing heat for a a chicken that is considered cold hardy. Now, if you have little itty bitty chicken frizzled, uh, you know, (laughs) chicken with a 10 foot long tail, you know, that is from Southeast Asia, you know, then you, you, you might have to offer supplemental heat if it gets too cold. Now, Chickens in general will tolerate cold better than they do heat. Even some heat-hardy breeds, they they will do fine if they're allowed to acclimate to the colder temperatures. And that I'm not talking about extreme temperatures, but colder temperatures. Like where I live, um, it really it gets below freezing just a few times out of the year. But it's like you know 30 degrees a lot at night. Um, but I have a frizzle, I have, um, Saramas that do well, but they have been outside. They are very acclimated to, to the weather where I live. So definitely think about what kind of breeds you have and take that into consideration. That's probably the number one thing you need to take into consideration. And then the other thing you need to do is ask yourself, Um, you know, are my chickens very old or are they very young? So I have very old chickens and this week it's going to get down to probably about 18, which is cold for where I live. Um, so I am going to bring my super old ones. I'm talking about they're like eight, nine, 10, maybe 11 years old. They will come inside. Uh, not inside my house. So they will go into the garage where it's a few degrees warmer for them out there. So that is something to consider too. Also, if you have very young chickens, let's say you have chickens that are newly feathered and they have all their feathers. They are fully feathered, but it, it's, it's very new. They might be eight weeks old. They're fully feathered. 
you cannot just take them from having, you know, being inside or having supplemental heat and put them outside if the temperature is getting below 50 at night because that's too big of a drop for them and you could lose them. So what I advise people to do in that scenario is you can put them outside during the day and then bring them inside at night. Um, alternatively, you could offer some, some kind of safe supplemental heat in your coop and then slowly wean them off it because they should be able to acclimate to the temperatures fairly quickly, depending on how cold it gets. If you've already been dealing with frostbite or respiratory issues, then, you know, make sure that you have good ventilation in your coop. Make sure that you're practicing good husbandry, that they have good nutrition, all of that stuff. But if you're fighting that kind of battle constantly, then I don't think anyone could really blame you for offering, offering supplemental heat in your coop. I think at that point, it's like, okay, you know, maybe I need to do this. And then also, it, it depends on how quickly and how drastic your weather is. So some people, they live in areas where the temperature can change really quickly. It can drop very quickly. And if that happens, it can be really hard on chickens. So that's another scenario where you might be like, oh, you know, I think I need to either bring my chickens into the garage or <laughs> depending on how many you have, or I need to offer some safe supplemental heat outside. So when I say safe supplemental heat, what I mean are heaters that are made specifically for chicken coops. So there's a few on the market. There's one called Cozy Coop that is, is very nice. It's very reasonably priced. And there's another one called um, Sweeter Heater. And that one's a little bit more expensive, but it's also very nice. And I, I believe there's also some pads like that you can put in the chicken coop. And these are just made, they're fairly low wattage and they don't get super hot, but they're made to heat the coop a little bit and actually heat the chicken's bodies a little bit just to keep it at a comfortable place for your chickens. And I see the Chickenlandia presidential advisor is in the chat. <laughs> you guys, that is formerly Lavender Lane Farms. We have given her her official title her name is Kelsey. She is a very valued member of the Chickenlandia team. And to be absolutely honest with you, I learned a lot of what I know now from Kelsey. So, <laughs> so I am super glad that she is on my team. All right. And, you know, we just talked about how if you absolutely have to use a heat lamp, please be very careful because it is quite the fire hazard. And there are just some some really devastating fires that happen every year. So nobody wants that. Okay, let's move on to the question now. It is from Kendra. And Kendra asked, uh, good morning. I am concerned about our temperatures. Currently, it is setting at negative 35. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't. I can't, I would like, have you ever seen like the snow miser, you know, <laughs> from, um, what is it? Whatever that one of those Rudolph, like the claymation, um, Christmas specials, I, I would just like turn into ice. 
Um, so yes, currently it is sitting at 35. We are looking at an entire week of some very cold temperatures. My girls are in a coop and I have deep bedding and some wall panel heaters, water and food access, but it is still quite cold in there. I haven't seen any signs of frostbite, but I can tell they are quite cold. Everything online regarding cold temperatures is like negative 15 at most. I would like to know if you have any further suggestions or recommendations. Thank you so much. So that's what I'm talking about. I think like a lot of people will be like, you know, you absolutely don't need to offer supplemental heat, but they're not thinking about the places where it's literally getting to a negative 40. I mean, that is cold. That is very cold. And there's probably plenty of people in those areas that don't offer supplemental heat. And, and that's fine if they're doing that. But there is a risk of losing chickens at that point. Um, and, and certainly if it is a prolonged period of that, that much cold for that long. So, um, Kendra, the first thing I want you to do is to make sure that your chickens have plenty of food. You do not want your chickens to have, you know, to be not having enough food during this time. They really need to have full crops. They need to have a full tummy when they go to sleep. And obviously you want to make sure that your water is not freezing, which it sounds like you, you already have, have been very mindful of that. And I think it's good that you're doing deep bedding. And for those of you that don't know, I believe what she's saying is that she's doing deep litter. Um, and the deep litter method is basically when you have a composting system inside your coop, it's on the floor of your coop. And I'm actually doing that in my coop right now. And it's a great thing to do over the winter because we know that composting material, it generates heat. So it will definitely help to warm your coop if you're doing deep litter method. Now you have to be mindful of ammonia and things like that. You don't want there to be ammonia developing in your coop. You have to make sure that it stays turned, that either your chickens are turning it very well or you're turning it. And you also have to refresh it. There is a process to it. And I talk about it in my online course. <laughs> um, but I think that's a great idea. You can also add some extra straw for insulation to keep them nice and cozy and warm. And depending on the type of breeds you have, and Kendra, I think you said that you had leghorns. So leghorns do have a risk of developing frostbite. So, you know, they have those big, those big floppy combs and those can get frostbitten. Although the leghorn itself is a fairly cold hardy breed. So you could take some Vaseline or some bag balm and, and there's some products that are like, especially for chickens. And you can rub that on the comb to um, hopefully prevent frostbite. I confess that I've heard mixed reviews on that. I have never tried it myself. Like I said, I live in a very, you know, it's not an extreme climate. It's fairly mild. So uh, frostbite is just really not a concern where I'm at. But um, it's certainly not going to hurt them. So you could definitely try that. And I would offer some nice treats for them during this time. And it just so happens that on my channel, I have a homemade suet treat. 
that it's not actually suet, I should say, because I make it with coconut oil and suet is animal fat. But um, we call it a suet treat because that's just what we call it. (laughs) Um, So uh, I do have some homemade suet treats that would be really good for them during this time. Um, Just give them it will give them a lot of fat will give them some carbohydrates. What you want to do is give them like a fatty treat that also has carbohydrates. So sometimes what I will like to do is either make the suet treat for them or I will get a nice fatty treat like grubs um, and I will mix that with a little bit of cracked corn and I'll give that to them as a snack at night. And you just want to make sure that they clean it all up because you don't want you don't want the critters to come and they'll be like, oh, there's this nice warm coop. And there's treats on the floor. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. Um, and I also, I, I did a, a video where I was feeding uh, the chickens some grubs. And they're these nice, like big, fatty, oily grubs. And they're from a company called Grub Terra. And I'm super into this company right now. And I do have a coupon for them. So I'm going to put that in the description and in the show notes for you. How's that? <laughs> um, so yeah, you just want to make sure that they have a nice full tummy with some yummy treats at bedtime, especially, and definitely make sure they have enough food during the day. So what I want you to do, because it's just getting so extremely cold where you are, is I want you to aim for above negative 15. And I think with the heaters that you have, you are you will likely be fine. You might need to get if if it depends on what kind of heaters that you have. You said you had some heaters that are on the wall, so I'm wondering if those are sweeter heaters. But those should help a lot, and I'm betting it will it will keep the temperature above negative 15. But you'll have to keep an eye on that, and I think at that point that you will be absolutely fine. But yeah, I I really think that for where you are, it is absolutely reasonable for you to offer them supplemental heat at night. Um, like I said, it's always risk versus risk. Whenever you introduce electricity into a coop or into any area for that matter, you are introducing a fire risk into that area. Now, the level of wattage and the level of heat that is being generated will determine your level of fire hazard. So if you are using a a heat lamp, then the risk is going to be greater than if you're using something like a cozy coop. Now, the other thing is you could lose electricity in the middle of the night. And if that happened, it wouldn't be a good scenario, probably when you wake up in the morning. Um, it It could be a pretty bad scenario. But like I always say, it is risk versus risk. And you have to decide, okay, what, what, what am I willing, what risk am I willing to absorb in this situation? And I think at the point that you're at negative 40 degrees for an extended period of time that, like I said, it is very reasonable to offer some supplemental heat. So thank you so much for your question, Kendra. Definitely keep me updated. I'm very interested in hearing you know, just how that went. <laughs> Let me know. What's, what is it like living on the surface of the moon? I want to know. 
All right, guys. So right now I am going to open the chat for some questions. You can ask your questions. If you would please write your questions in all caps, then I will see them. And if I can, I'm going to answer them. Sometimes I get stumped. That's why we have the Chickenlandia presidential advisor in the chat. <laughs> and you can tag her, too, and that will help her, help her to see it. Also, 13 Moons Homestead is a great resource. She's in the chat. And she's got an awesome channel that you should definitely check out. You know, it's never a dull moment on YouTube, guys. My first question is from Alex S. asking, can you teach chickens to play checkers? <laughs> now, Alex, I'm going to give you my honest answer. The answer is yes, you can teach them, but I don't know if they'll ever win. <laughs> That's my question to that. Hi, Madam President. Any tips for my first flock? I'm getting six-day-old chicks. So my tip to you is to, you know, watch my channel. <laughs> um, I do have a Backyard Chickens 101 playlist that has a lot of great information on it. You could consider taking my online course. So definitely sign up to get some, um, you know, uh, some updates on that. I do have a video coming out on Wednesday. It is called Your First 24 hours with your baby chicks and it's about all the things that you should do when you just right when you come home with your baby chicks so that they can have the best start so you're definitely going to want to check that out but you know there's so so much advice that I could give in fact my whole career is based on that advice so <laughs> it's a lot of information I would say just keep uh, following Chickenlandia Debbie Moss, I don't know if I'm saying your last name right, but I hope I am. What do you use in the run outside the coop? Um, so I think uh, Debbie is asking what kind of substrate that I use in the run. And I actually use uh, playground chips. And then I also use pine pellets because I live in this, the um, Pacific Northwest and it is very, very damp here there is a lot of mud to contend with <laughs> and it's it's pretty intense so because of that I have to have some something in my run to deal with all of that moisture and the pine pellets really soaks up the moisture very well so that I don't have just a mud pit out there and if you want to see a video about all of that I think it's called like mud hack or something. <laughs> I will put that in the description and in the show notes. It's just about dealing with mud in the chicken yard. And right now I want to say thank you so much to, I can't actually can't tell who it's from. Oh, our urban homestead. Thank you so much for your super chat. Very generous of you. If you're listening on the podcast, a super chat is when somebody donates a little bit of money to Chickenlandia on the chat. So I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. Very generous of you. I see I'm handling it better now. I used to get like super flustered when somebody would give me a super chat. It was like, <laughs> what do I say now? Ellen Rice has a very, it's not actually a question, but it's a, it's a very good point. Or maybe it is a question. 
wouldn't the number of chickens and size of coop also have an effect on the temperature? Absolutely, you are right. So definitely, if you have a you know a a, a smaller coop with that is full of chickens, it's going to be warmer in the coop than it would be if you had two chickens in a very big coop. Um, so those are an, an, that's another set of circumstances where you would have to decide, okay, well, you know, do I need to offer supplemental heat depending on how cold it gets? And I will say, you know, again, I'm going to say, because I always get, I always get the comments, <laughs> but again, I'm going to say that the circumstances where you need to offer supplemental heat are not very common, but they do exist. Okay. And that's, and I just want to say that because I've seen situations where people lost their whole little flock of baby chicks because they listened to everybody that told them that they didn't need supplemental heat because they were fully feathered and they put them right outside at eight weeks when it was getting below freezing outside. And that is so sad. And that's why I want to say, you know, every time I say, wait, 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 there are exceptions. Okay. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat I got from Jim Euler. Thank you so much. Very generous of you. I really appreciate it, guys. And Jim Euler asks, I have 10 chickens and today I got 11 eggs. <laughs> is that possible? It is. It is possible. And, you know, it's so funny because I've definitely had that happen. And I have told people and they didn't believe me. <laughs> So now I want, I am on a mission to validate everyone and say, yes, it is possible. Probably what happened is a chicken laid very, very early in the morning or later at night. And then again, you know, it within that 24 hours and, um, and then you had the two eggs, but yes, it has happened. I, I promise you it's happened to me. Corey Green says, can you make a video about how to make your homemade suet treats? Uh, Corey, there is a video about it. It is called uh, These Homemade Suet Treats Keep Your Chickens Warm and Fuzzy. <laughs> and um, I will leave that that video in the show notes and in the description. So Maria uh, Maz asked, and I'm sorry, I'm destroying your name. I know I am. <laughs> What to do when my little chick is sick. So I do have a video uh, coming out in a couple of weeks. And it's called this. I think I'm probably going to call it like the sick chick action plan or how to help a sick chick or something like that. And it's it's tough, you know, because they're so tiny and they're so vulnerable and they can't tell you what's going on. And I certainly can't tell you for sure what you would need to do because I'm not a licensed veterinarian. And even if I was, I would need a lot of information and to do an examination to, to find out what was going on. Um, but generally, when there is a baby chick that, let's say you came home from the farm store and you had a baby chick and it was just not thriving, it was just wasn't doing well, maybe not eating or drinking, it's just kind of standing there or it's wobbly, I would try very hard to get some nutrition into that chick. And I what I will do is I will make a slurry from green tea, egg yolk, and vitamins and electrolytes. And I will also 
Uh, sometimes I will put a homeopathic flower remedy in it, just a drop of it um, called rescue remedy, which is to help them with stress, which they're probably experiencing at that point. Um, and I'll make a slurry out of that and I will put it into a needleless syringe and I will feed the baby chick uh, just a drop at a time. And I, there is a video that I have out now that is called like um, uh, natural, natural care for two common baby chick issues. And in that video, I make the slurry. And I also put uh, another homeopathic remedy into it, um, which you may or may not be interested in. I know some homeopathics aren't for everyone, but I am somebody that uses homeopathy a lot. And I've had, I've been using it for 25 years and our family has a homeopath. So it's definitely something that I, that I will do, but it's always optional. So yeah, I would just try very hard to get some nutrition into that chick as a way, uh, you know, to offer it some just some supportive care. But as far as like treatment goes, you really need, you know, of course your best course of action is to seek veterinary care. And I know that that's not, you know, it's not feasible for a lot of people or reasonable for a lot of people, but I do have to say that because it's the truth. And there's only, only so much that I can, that I can say and that I can do. Lori Anderson asked, how do I stop two roosters from fighting Two roosters and 32 hens. Well, depending on the breed, they they may just keep fighting. It really depends on the breed and also the, the personalities of the two roosters. Sometimes they can, they can learn how to get along, especially if they're introduced when one of them is much younger or when they're both young. But if they're introduced when they're older and they start fighting, it can be a really tough situation. Just in general, I would make sure that they have enough room. I would make sure that they have enough enrichment in the space that they're in. And I would come up with a plan, a contingency plan, if you're not able to get them to stop fighting. If they aren't drawing blood on each other, I wouldn't worry about it too much. But roosters can be pretty brutal with each other. And... Sometimes it's just a situation where you would have to rehome one of them. And I hate to say that because I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want people to have to do that. And I don't want to be, I don't want that to be the first, um, you know, bit of advice I give in the situation, but it does happen with roosters. Sometimes they just will not get along. Uh, Celia Perry asks, uh, I had a question when a rooster breeds with a hen, how many eggs are fertilized? Um, I, off the top of my head, cannot, <laughs> you got me stumped with how many eggs. I will say that it's about two weeks that the, that the eggs that that hen will lay will be fertilized. Um, if you were to remove the, oos- the, the ooster, <laughs> the rooster, she would continue to lay fertilized eggs for a period of time. Um, and it could be up to two weeks. So that, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's as good as I can do. Maybe the, uh, Chickenlandia presidential advisor can, can offer some, some additional information. Uh, Julia Pagano asks, how can you stop predators from getting in your coop? I'm trying to stop one now. I hope it's not right now while you're watching this. (laughs) Uh, it's tough. Oh my gosh. So predators are tough. I do have 
more than one video about dealing with predators. And what I will always say is it is best to make it to where the predators cannot get into the coop and cannot get into your chicken yard rather than getting rid of the predators because you don't want to disturb the natural ecosystem around your chicken yard. You could really, not only is it unfair to the animals that are just trying to survive, but also you could create a situation where you're going to end up with a, a rodent problem because a lot of the predators that are coming after your chickens are the same ones that will handle the rodent population in your area. So always keep that in mind. The main thing is um, you need, number one, the number one thing is you want to close your coop up at night. So you want to make sure that animals cannot get into your coop at night. And I will tell you, depending on the type of predator that you're dealing with, if it's something like a raccoon, they really like to figure things out and they are strong and they are really smart. So the rule of thumb that I give is if a two-year-old can get into your coop, a raccoon can. <laughs> Make sure that there aren't any holes, that there's nowhere where an animal can dig in and get into your coop. A good way to deal with that is you can skirt out hardwire mesh around the perimeter of your chicken yard, or if your coop is sitting on the dirt, you are going to want to skirt out hardwire mesh or bury hardwire mesh around the perimeter of your coop. And that will really help with rats because that would be a big problem. But also digging predators that have all night to figure out how to get into your coop, they really need to have a good deterrent. And I do I say hardwire mesh knowing that it's it's expensive. If you can't do that, an alternative would be to double up on chicken wire. I mean chicken wire would be better than nothing. Um, but chicken wire is relatively uh, flimsy and there's a lot of animals that can get through it. So the, your other option would be to double up on chicken wire and try and overlap it to where the, the space between the wire is, is, is small. And hopefully that will help. Of course, netting or some type of covered run really helps. But it depends on the type of predator that you're dealing with. There's predators that will come at night. There's predators that will come, uh, you know, during the day. They'll climb over during the day. There's predators that will dig in. There's predators that will fly in. So you have to take all of those different kinds of critters into consideration and make sure that you're proofing against all of them. And um, like I said, I do have some videos about that. I will put my most recent one in the description and then the show notes for you, but just keep, you know, keep watching my videos, keep following along. I'm always talking about dealing with predators. It's a, it's a constant thing that we have to deal with when we have chickens, but hopefully you'll get some good information from that. Okay, guys, I'm going to take uh, one more, uh, one more question and then we will have to sign off. Fleetwood Patch. That's a great name. Will 12-week-old chicks get bullied by, a, by full-grown hens? Short answer, yes. <laughs> they will. Um, but it depends on a few things. Like they, I mean, at 12 weeks, I'm assuming that these are standard-sized chickens. They're all, you know, they're, they're fairly large. It depends on how many you have. 
and how many existing hens that you have, how, uh, how bad it is. Now, what I would suggest to you would be to follow a slow process of integration. And I do have some videos about that on my channel. I will also put those in the show notes and description, but to just to say it and give you the cliff note version, have them separate, but able to see each other for at least a week or two so that they can kind of get acclimated, acclimated to each other. And they will posture through the, the, the fencing because they should be able to see to see each other so it should be some kind of fencing they'll posture and they'll do their their they'll do their little dance and they they'll do their little you know working out of the pecking order and they'll have an opportunity to do that without hurting each other before you completely put them together and then once you put them together it's a good idea to do it at night sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll actually actually yeah, I'll do this for grown hens, but for, for young hens like this, I would put them on the roost at night when you're going to integrate them fully and then get out there right at daybreak to, to let them out and to observe how they're doing. Um, just to make sure that no one's getting like really bullied. And the other thing you will want to do is put some food and water in different locations so that everybody can get food and water and give them some nice distractions. It's a great time to give them like a flock block or give them a cabbage that they can peck at, um, give them some extra treats during this time so that they're more distracted and they're not like concentrating on looking at each other and being like, you weren't here yesterday and I'm going to peck your head. So, um, but they should be okay with a little bit of patience and, keeping a good eye on them. And depending on how many you have, it could be a very easy integration. So um, good luck with that. And I'll leave those videos, videos for you in the show notes and then the, and in the description. So guys, thank you so much. Once again, remember, visit my website and submit your question to Bob talk. Welcome to chickenlandia.com. Go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question. And while you're there, make sure that you join my mailing list so that you know when my new online course comes out, Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. And we're all very excited about that. I want to thank the moderators, 13 Moon Homestead. Green Dream Project is here. Thank you so much. And Eric Johnson, thank you so much for being here. You guys check out their channels. I also want to thank my co-producer, Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. Her name is Kelsey. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank uh, Talking to Grows for editing this podcast one thing I want you guys to remember, no matter what, no matter how cold it gets, even if it gets negative 40, I want you to remember, you're always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.